Hello, welcome to Friends at Film Camp, the podcast for two friends gathered by the fire from our fun film perspectives. I'm Jinian. And I'm Luke. Uh, I don't know what the film is called. It's Batman something. Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Right. <laughs> I made Jinian watch this movie this week mm-hmm. because the actor who has been voicing Batman since 1990s mm-hmm. passed away. Mm-hmm. And I liked him as Batman. And I wanted to honor him with a podcast episode mm. that no one listens to. It's the thought that counts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're watching Mask. We watched Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah. This is a film directed by Bruce Tim, screenplay by Paul Dini. I don't know. I know those names mean nothing to you. There's going to be a lot of stuff that means nothing to you, mm-hmm. but it's a very big deal in the Batman fandom. Okay. And those are very big deal people. Gotcha. They have been the lead creative people on all good Batman material for the past 30 years. Mm-hmm. They're the best people that know Batman mm. in terms of how to tell a story. Mm-hmm. They reinvented most of the characters into the modern setting. Like, they defined them the modern way. Okay. They also created Harley Quinn. I thought this took place in, like, the 50s. They defined how these characters go from the 80s and 60s mm-hmm. into 90s, 2000s. Oh, okay. I get what Because, like, before they were a lot sillier. Mm-hmm. And they found a way to keep them campy and comic booky, mm-hmm. But make them more grounded. Mm. Like, Mr. Freeze... Was mm-hmm. a famous one, because before he was just a guy with an ice gun, and then they gave him his new backstory. Mm-hmm. Do you know his new backstory? No. Okay, his wife is dying, mm-hmm. and so he develops cryogenic freezing technology to save his wife. But because there was an accident in the lab, he can't leave. Uh, sub. He can't leave a sub zero room, mm-hmm. or he'll die. Okay. So. That's why he's obsessed with freezing things. Sub-Zero Fahrenheit? I think so, but he has to be frozen all the time. It's the broad point, or he'll die. And so that's why he's, like, not as evil. Mm -hmm. Because he's not really, like, evil. He just wants to save his dying wife. And it's really sweet. And there's a lot of beautiful moments in the show. That's not what we watched. Because we <laughs> I didn't think I would be able to get you to watch a four-season animated TV show. <laughs> so I compromised and got you to watch the movie. Yeah. Called Mask of the Phantasm. So you made a mistake in that you told me about the toy drama. Yeah, I thought And so that. I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be wondering who the mask person is. Because if you didn't tell me about that, I probably just would have assumed they were some random person. Yeah, part of me did do... <laughs> I kind of did that intentionally. You did? Because the phantasm is new to this film, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't have known that. No. So I kind of wanted you to know that they're a new villain. Okay. Just because then you would go in... Knowing that this is supposed to be, like, a bigger deal. Okay, that's Like, fair. it's not just a normal guy. But, yeah. Famous, also, this is, I know everything we do is spoiler, but I'm also going to say that this here, this is spoiler. Mm-hmm. Because when they were putting this out, they were released a toy, because that's what they did. Yeah. They still do that. Toys are a big part of all media for youth. Mm-hmm. And 
Then they wanted to show that you could pr- move the head from the toy. The hood. The hood. And so to show that, they they sold the toy with the hood off. Which means they showed everyone who bought the toy or saw the toy the twist of the movie, mm-hmm. which is who the villain is. Mm-hmm. Which is just really annoying. Now, because I knew that there was a twist, <coughs> I guessed it was the girl, like, pretty early on. I yeah. guessed it before I voiced it to you, but, like, that's fine. Like, it, it, it's not one of those, like, stories where it's, like, the twist, like, the twist makes sense, and I appreciate that of it. Um, there is a twist, but the movie's not centered around the twist. It's not like M. Night Shyamalan, where the if you know the twist, there's not much of a story left. There's... In that way, there's still... I haven't really seen much of his movies, so I can't say anything. But I believe you. I actually haven't seen that many movies either. (laughs) I just, like, that's what I always hear. So Um, maybe I just insulted him like Chamblin. Yeah, the the twist... It's a twist that you can call, but I don't think that that is a bad thing. That means that good twists, in my opinion, you should be able to see coming or look back and see the signs. Yes. So um, you can do that for this. And what I appreciated was, so I'm not a big Batman person. And I think in watching this movie, I realized, because my head kept being like, this is like Scooby-Doo. Because <laughs> the animation style is like, it was reminding me of Scooby-Doo. Um, that I am just like not that engaged with like Batman as a character. But I was very proud of this Batman in that I was nervous. So part of the film is there, one of the main storylines of the film is he has this, like, long-lost love who's, like, um, somebody who he, like, fell in love with and then she got away somehow. You don't know at the beginning. But anyway, I thought, because they, in according to the backstory, they originally get together when he's starting out his, like, Batman stuff. Yes. And he's all like, I can't do both. Like, what am I going to do? And I thought that he was going to be a little, like, annoying person and be like, no, like, I can't be with her. I, I must choose vengeance. But uh, then he picks her. But he picks her. And I was like, that was very emotionally, especially because he apparently, I don't know, the movie alludes to that he, like, made some sort of, like, pact to his parents or something okay this is more batman Uh i understand i i acknowledge internally you just aren't into batman lore Mm -hmm. i am into batman lore Uh i really like this batman lore stuff Uh but yeah when he parents dies he makes like a promise that he never wants another kid in gotham to die because of a thug with a gun so, because that's what how his died, and he he never wants someone else to feel uh. that feeling. So that's like the promise he made is that he'll never he never wants it to happen again. He will fight to make sure that doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. So that's the promise, but he can't quite get down the fear aspect of it. So I was very proud of him because, like, and she even I don't remember her name. What's her name? I have to actually pull that up, but. Andrea Beaumont. Andrea. So, like, she even comes up to him and she's like, maybe your parents sent me. And I was very proud of him that he 
chose her mm-hmm. and in turn chose to move on with his life not once but twice so also, i was like i was just very i was like i was just very impressed with his emotional maturity i thought he was going to be annoying about it but he wasn't no a big part of the character of batman is that he is a broken very sad person mm-hmm. and i really appreciated that scene in the movie mm-hmm. where like he's at the grave it's right before she shows up <laughs> It's right before she shows up. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I didn't ever count on being happy again. Mm -hmm. And just the way it's like delivered and the way it's framed in a movie, you feel like really sad for him. Because you kind of like you feel he is genuinely wrestling with these emotions Mm -hmm. and the idea of being happy. And I appreciated that. Um,. That's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. The other thing that the movie did that could have been annoying that they didn't make annoying, which I was very pleasantly surprised by, was that um, near the end when they're reconciling, I'm obviously like, okay, this isn't going to work out. Like, this can't. Part of the problem of medias that kind of have to keep going is that they can't end. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, obviously, like, they can't get together and then it's the end of the series, you know what I mean? So I'm like, something's gonna happen where this doesn't work out, and my immediate thought was that she was gonna die. Um, And I was really annoyed about that. You Uh, were very annoyed. You asked me angrily (laughs) at some point. You're like, they're gonna kill her, aren't they? And they didn't do that either. So I'm very happy. I actually think that they handled the storyline like impressive and impressively well. And they like avoided the un- like annoying tropes, in my opinion, um, which I thought was cool. When you have a creator who adapts someone else's like media and they want to add their own stuff to it. Mm-hmm. oftentimes it doesn't work very well. Okay, what are you talking about in this context? In this context, I want to add that this the Phantasm mm-hmm. is an original character. She's not from the comics. Yes. They made okay. her for this. Yeah. And also similarly, like Harley Quinn, they made her for this TV show. Okay, cool. Because they wanted the Joker to have someone to play off of. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that... It's so rare that that sort of thing works because they, a lot of creatives I find don't get the world they're building. Yeah. Partly because I think, broadly speaking, a lot of people in Hollywood Mm -hmm. don't seem to really like the types of movies that make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of directors are like obnoxious, artsy assholes. Mm Mm-hmm. And they don't really like what they make. But they make it because they're told they have to make it because it's successful. Which is why something like this, I appreciate. Because you can tell they actually enjoy making this. Yeah. I think that's, like, another thing that really works is, like... Mm -hmm. So, at the end of the movie... um, you Andrea became the masked phantasm. And she's hunting down these old, like, mob monster people oh the phantasm and she's hunting down these old mob people who like killed her dad and were the reason that they had to run away the first time for like revenge right Mm -hmm. um and i think it was also a very smart storyline on behalf of the movie that 
when she first shows up, because she has a very similar silhouette to Batman, um, people around the city think that Batman's, like, suddenly started killing people. And it, like, becomes a big problem for him. So I think that was also very smart in that they thought about what her position in the story, like, would do to the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you know this because I rant about it whenever someone does it wrong. Mm-hmm. But the Batman not killing thing is a very big deal to me yeah. as part of the character. And that's why it annoyed me when Zack Snyder was like, that's stupid. Of course he kills people. Yeah. Because I was like, how dare you? Uh, and so I, that was just an aspect of the movie where I'm like, oh yeah, if Batman started killing people, people probably wouldn't like him that much. Well, and I what, also... And, sorry, you go. And guess what? People didn't like him in this world very much because they're killing people. I also like that at the end of the movie, when they separate, it feels, um, it doesn't feel cheap because I completely, like, I understood both of their perspectives. Like, I didn't, I don't, you might disagree, but I didn't feel like Andrea was, like, completely, like, villainized or off base. Like, I, I, I was, I, like, got her, but. like you said she what she was doing had was against like the code Mm -hmm. of like batman his not just like like his ethics right and it's like kind of like the thing where it's like he couldn't because he theoretically went through because he went through something very similar to her i think it would be dangerous I think he could easily kind of want to fall into a more murderous type of revenge. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I understand that it's important for him to keep that line very clear. Yes. So I think, I I like how they handled that too, where I understood both of them and I understood that they like couldn't be together and it didn't feel like, even though it was something that the plot had to have happen because of how the media was structured um, it didn't feel like a plot contrivance, mm-hmm. even though, like, it it had to have happened, but they made it so that it felt natural. Yeah, a lot of Batman lore likes to just focus on uh, how he's not that different from people he fights. Mm-hmm. And especially in this story, a kind of key aspect of it is they're really not that different. Yeah. And how they got to where they are now. The only real difference is she, he wants a justice and she wants vengeance. Mm-hmm. And that's where they kind of explore the difference. Is she just wants him dead. And she doesn't really... She's not happy about it even. She just doesn't see any other option for her. Yeah. I also like... You know I like non-3D animation. Yes. 2D animation. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, so that part of why this is reminding me of Scooby-Doo is like, it's feels like a similar type of animation. But one thing I really appreciate about animation that I feel like is a little, can be lost in 3D. It's not inherently lost in 3D, but sometimes in the design is I love how dramatic Batman is (laughs) drawn, like almost to like a ridiculous level, but they make it work. So I really appreciate things like that. And I loved the set piece that they made of, like, the... I don't even know. What was that? It was, like, a Gotham, like, future... 
Yeah, it was like a... What's that place at Disneyland? Yeah. Disney World? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, Expo. Is it Epcot? Yes. Is that what it it's is? It's like a Gotham City version of Epcot. And the it's city so, of the future. I love that. Okay, first of all, you know I love abandoned things. Yes. So I love, they show it to us when it's in like working order, like in the past, because um, Bruce and Andrea like go on a date there. So first of all, this place fucking rocks. Like, <laughs> this is an expensive thing with like so many animatronics and like, stuff of like a like a real like retro futurism vibe and then we get to see it abandoned oh because like the joker has decided <coughs> to like hang out there amazing amazing villain base i yes. would choose that as a villain base a thousand percent so that was really fun and i liked the the joke of um joker acting like one of the animatronics was his wife that was funny mm-hmm. um so i just that was like a really good set piece and i just love that and it also gave the classic like godzilla moment because they're like fighting in this like small city mm-hmm. so they're like big. i love that come on yeah. that's just good in everything yeah <laughs> part of me feels like that small city scene was added just so they could have it in the trailer and make you think, oh my gosh, they get giant somehow. <laughs> Just because that's something marketing execs love. Yeah. Lying to you with shots. Uh, yeah, I really loved that final place, the final Epcot future city world. Because it feels, it feels like it's a part of this world, but mm-hmm. like an expanded part of it. Now, I was surprised by something at the end, and I'm curious your opinion, because at the end, Joker's, like, blowing up the whole thing, right? Yes. And they're fighting. And Joker has, like, a jetpack. Yes. And then Batman jumps on him. Yes. And then he does something, and Joker's like, (laughs) what are you doing? Like, I'm your only way out of here. We're both going to die. And then Batman says, like, I don't care or something. And then he crashes them. So does isn't that against his thing, Mabob? No, no it's a very, very cl- distinct line. Okay, why? Batman will not kill you, okay. but he does not have to save you. Okay. He I does. Don't know. If you put your know. hold on, no, listen. Okay. I know you think of it. <laughs> if you put yourself in a position where you're going to die mm-hmm. because of your actions, unless he saves you. Mm-hmm. Then he doesn't have, like, he doesn't feel the obligation to save you. No, but that wasn't the situation because he Joker purposely put the made them crash back. Yeah, Joker was also leaving. He didn't. Because he wanted him to turn off. He the didn't pump. not save him. He sabotaged him saving himself. Mm. Okay, I think it, like, crosses the line a little bit. <laughs> This is a very distinct thing in Batman lore. I don't know. I also thought it was weird. What did I... See, I don't remember exactly how it went down. But Bruce lives by pure luck, in my opinion. And I thought that that was strange. When the thing explodes. Yeah, that just happens sometimes. (laughs) Okay, it's just like... uh, Batman's kind of lucky. Yeah, it's just like James Bond rules. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, now let's talk about the voice acting. We'll only really talk about the main three. Mm-hmm. First, I want to talk about Kevin Conroy, who was the actor who passed away, why I made you do this, mm-hmm. as Batman mm-hmm. and Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He's really good. Yeah, he does a good job. I... I appreciate, like, the little nuance that he has between his Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. and his Batman. He makes them a little different. Mm. Like, not so much that you wouldn't super notice, but his Batman's a little more grumbly, growly. And I really liked it. Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't really notice, but he was good. I think, like, I, uh, I don't, I have a disadvantage to you to, like, really noticing the voice work and that... I literally don't think I've watched any other cartoon Batman, so <laughs> I have very little to compare to in, ter- in terms of voice acting, but I thought he was good. I thought he sounded like Batman. I thought he was... I liked that he had a tone of lightheartedness sometimes, which I feel like is rare in in Batman stuff. I liked when he was joking with Andrea, and I liked when he was joking with... Mm-hmm. The old guy. What's the old guy? Alfred. Alfred. So I like that he ha- had personality sometimes. Uh, I don't mean that. Is... I don't mean like personality sometimes, like a criticism, just because Batman can be flat yes. when he's like being, you know, flat. I think, broadly speaking, modern media overall, but that this includes Batman, takes things very very seriously mm-hmm. we seem to be moving a little away from that yeah finally but like for a, especially for a while there like everything had to, everything had to be serious abraham lincoln what is he a vampire slayer uh i can't think of another example i don't know why that was the only example <laughs> i could think of <laughs> the, the winks club yes Winks, uh, riverdale riverdale all that sort of thing. True blood. Just everything had to be like very serious versions of it. And like that's fun. Batman. Yes, Batman. Batman kills because he's that serious. Yeah. And I like I don't like that in a sense of I like having off I like there being different versions of these things. Yeah. Sometimes I like to have fun. Sometimes you need to be serious. And sometimes it's okay to have both. Mm-hmm. And I like that this one's willing to be like, this is a little silly. Yeah, I, I also think that the film isn't... It, yeah, it's not scared to be silly, and it's also not... Um, it doesn't feel embarrassed of its roots. Yes. Which I like. I think some modern comic book stuff cannot... Um, I'm thinking like the original... X-Men movies, which aren't that modern anymore, (laughs) but... They were very embarrassed of what they were. Yes, they were, you know, like, they make fun of the original, like, yellow suits, things like that. Um, Whereas this one um, wasn't shy about being comic book-y, which I like. Mm -hmm. Uh, This TV series is where Harley Quinn got started with Poison Ivy, too. Oh, cool. He He wanted to... The creator apparently wanted to make her lesbian mm-hmm. or like bisexual mm-hmm. in the show. Obviously, he couldn't, but he's always tried. He just said he did. It's where they started that journey to being allowed to do it. Oh, because they did episodes where they were just like two girls hanging out, gotcha, having a great time in the city, but they like they couldn't even do like wink, wink, gotcha. You have to remember, this was before Disney's first, first gay character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, anyway. Joker. Wait, didn't you have more to say about the voice acting? Oh, sure. I thought I said more. I really like him. Mm-hmm. I like him in a lot of media. I like him in a lot of media after this TV show, too. Can you make comparisons for me to, like, other Batmans? This is the Batman all most other modern Batmans base themselves off of. Mm. This is, like, point zero Batman. Gotcha. So most other versions are this version, but with this. This version without this. This is, like, the neutral version. Gotcha. And this actor did it for this entire show, two other shows, uh, a few other shows later on, I got 20 movies, probably. No, probably 10 to 20 movies. And the entire Arkham series of Batman. So, he... He always took the work very seriously. In a way, like, he respected it. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting, because, like, he was not a voice actor. Oh, yeah. He was not really even a Hollywood actor. He was just a Broadway actor. Huh. And he, they, his agent just kind of got him, <coughs> kind of just got him the audition somehow. Mm-hmm. When he first got the audition, he talked about how he didn't really get it. Mm-hmm. And so he just kind of tried something. And they really liked what he tried. And so from there, he really started getting involved into the world of Batman and then became a very creative force. Uh, Especially moving forward, he would often be given scripts from creatives, especially ones that weren't as familiar. And he would be like, am I allowed to rewrite a few of these lines to make them like better? Mm -hmm. And they'd always be like, yes. And the thing is, which is key, they were always better. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, I wouldn't say it like that because it's stupid. And then... This was the thing that was interesting. This year, which is why everyone was so shocked that he passed away suddenly, he asked the comics, he's like, hey, I've done this for a while. Can I write a small story and you publish it this year? And it was him dealing, or how he got to deal with the fact that he was a gay actor voicing Batman Mm -hmm. and like how that relationships worked. And the similarities he was able to pull from himself into his role. And it was a very sweet way of him, like, being with the community. And they let him publish his own little story for this year as part of their Pride comic. Oh, that's really cool. And, yeah, and then he just, he didn't tell anyone he was sick. He just suddenly passed away this year. Mm. And it was very sad. Yeah. But, yeah, he was a very good Batman. I really liked his Arkham games. I, you know I like those games. Oh, he does the games too? Yep. Oh, cool. They got him for the games, and they got one other actor. They also brought Harley Quinn for the first game, but that actress retired. Mm-hmm. She's like was in her 60s when the first game came out. But uh, anyway, the other actor they got, which is a good transition, is the voice actor of Joker, mm. Mark Hamill. Also known that as, was Mark Hamill? Yep, also known as Luke Skywalker. That was Mark Hamill? Yeah, that's his other famous role. I was just thinking about how Mark Hamill like, has played the Joker for years, but I thought he played the Joker in plays for some reason. In plays? <laughs> yeah, I 
tell the time. I was. <laughs> I thought there was like a brown white thing or something. I do think there has been a Batman musical Wait, so in the sixties. He, he he does it. He, he does, does the, the voice. voice. Oh, okay. He does a good job. It was. It was okay. You know the the thing that always stands out to me about this Joker. What? He has very yellow teeth. Yes. And it's very unsettling. Yes. And I don't know. That's just what I always notice. Yeah. But the Joker, the Joker wasn't what I was expecting. And I don't know what I was expecting. Here's what I think you were expecting. Can I tell you my theory? Okay. Modern Jokers are very. Joker's supposed to be funny. Mm -hmm. And modern Jokers do not like to make him very funny. Yeah. Like, he's a Joker, but they're like, oh, how tragic or how scary. Mm -hmm. Like, Heath Ledger, that's a scary Joker. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jared Leto, that's supposed to be a very scary Joker. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just stupid, but it's supposed to be scary. And, like, the movie Joker. Yeah. That's supposed to be, like, a scary Joker. Like, oh, look how far he's fallen. But, like, he's never funny anymore. And this Joker's always funny. No, that's not... I knew... Because I knew that Cartoon Joker was funny. I knew Cartoon Joker was more like Jack Nicholson Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I was expecting, but anyway, I got used to this Joker very quickly. Also, even though he's funny, he still is also scary and evil. He is scary. Yes, but he's also funny. I got to explain to you what laugh, what Joker's like laughing gas is. Oh yeah. Okay. See. Okay. I have a problem with that scene, but only on a personal level, in that I laugh very easily. So I don't know if you heard me, but when that guy was laughing and it was like very dangerous because he was like on the verge of laughing himself to death, I couldn't stop laughing because he was laughing, and so it makes me laugh. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) for our fans that don't know, Joker. Joker toxin is how Joker likes to poison people, which is basically, it makes you laugh to the point where you asphyxiate and die, mm-hmm. and then your mu- and all while your muscles and your face paralyze into a big smile. <laughs> so, it's a genuinely terrifying way to go. Yeah, I think I just personally I couldn't uh, connect with the tension of the scene because um, I couldn't stop laughing, which is just a personal problem mm-hmm. in that I'm very easy to make laugh. Um, but yeah, I do like that as as a toxin, like as like a thing. It rem- do they do something like that with the scarecrow in the live action movies, or am I making that up? Scarecrow has his own toxin. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have toxins. Scarecrow's toxin is fear toxin. Boring. So it makes you see and hallucinate your biggest fear. Sometimes very vividly. Uh, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then thirdly, let us talk about Dana Delaney, who voiced Andrea Beaumont. Mm-hmm. For voice acting? Yes, and Stacy, <laughs> and Stacy Keach, who he voiced, uh, the Phantasm, male version. What about Alfred? 
We'll go with Alfred if you want. I to thought that. Alfred was very Can't cool, we... and I really liked Alfred. We'll talk about Alfred. And I don't really have that much to say about the other two. You didn't like the Phantasm? No, they were fine. I liked the Phantasm, just because the way it's, I don't know, the way it's framed in the voice acting, I found very menacing. It reminds me of the scary purple guy from Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, that scene was so scary. Oh, you're right. That's a good comparison. Thanks. <laughs> I like that comparison. Okay, fine. You really want to talk about Alfred. I just like Alfred. I like really like Alfred in this. I Alfred is so like sassy and he talks back so much and I really like that. Alfred. I really like that he's like, he's got so much attitude. Yes, I like sassy Alfred. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Alfred's voiced by someone with a very very interesting name. You're an interesting name. Alfred Afrem Zimbalosti Jr. Afrem. Afrem. Zimbalist. Afrem Zimbalist Jr. But yeah, the sass is very good. Uh-huh. I like his character design, too, being sort of, like, more pointy mm-hmm. in that I feel like it gives him that, that edge and that, uh, you know, actually, he reminded me of, um, what's-his-face from Clue. Professor Plum? No. The butler? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a classic butler. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he's like a really good butler. I'm really glad. He's a lot of fun. So, so this movie, this will make you happy, I think. This movie was originally going to be direct video. Uh-huh. And they were like, well, this is good enough. We're going to put it in theaters. Mm-hmm. So it was a 2D animated movie in theaters that did very poorly. But it still went to theaters. Mm-hmm. And I just appreciate that. Because they don't put a lot of animated movies like this in theaters. Disney movies they put in theaters. Uh-huh. But not like this. That's true. This is like a little darker. A little more edgy. Like, it's not actual adult or anything, but like, this is like darker than Little Mermaid. I really want to get the old... I've been trying to find the old Scooby-Doo movies... And I really want to get more oh, now. I thought you were talking about that Little Mermaid case. What Little Mermaid case? The one with the penis on the cover. Oh, no, I don't care about that. No. <laughs> no, I want Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo, and the Witch of Wherever, and I want Scooby-Doo, and the Island of Whatever, and I want, like, all of those ones. Oh. But not the one about the computer, not the cyber whatever. That one's my least favorite, and it's the only one I can find. It's so annoying. Huh. Another fun fact about this franchise... Yeah? ...is they draw everything on black paper. I know, I liked that fun fact. Because that's how they got the darkness to match. And I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. It is very gloomy. But it's in a good way. Yeah. Um. Is this your favorite... I think that this is one of the best Batman stories told. Mm. 
Like, there's a lot of better, like, there's better movies, but this is the best Batman story mm. in terms of movies. Other movies always try and do other things. This mm-hmm. is just, like, a good Batman story. Yeah, I do think it is very Batman-centric, and especially how they made the villain, like, directly correlate to Batman personally. So it is more, like, directly about Batman than a lot of things I've seen. Yes. I think the villain's great and iconic. They are re- they are bringing the character into the comics. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, and yeah, I just really enjoy this. This movie doesn't always... Because it's animated, I don't think it always gets the respect it deserves. Mm-hmm. But I think this is genuinely one of the best Batman movies. Like, I compare this to, like, The Dark Knight. And I'm like, I'd rather watch this than The Dark Knight. Mm. Doesn't mean I don't like The Dark Knight. But I just, this is more fun. This is, like, good Batmaning. If you want some Batman, this is a good Batman. I'd probably watch The Dark Knight. I know. (laughs) Because you don't like Batman. Yeah, I don't care about Batman that much. Batman's fun. You should hear more about him. Mm. And that concludes today's episode. (laughs) friends at film camp thank you all so much for listening and we'll catch you next time at the campfire